yourselves a hand because you got out of bed this morning. You got out of bed today. I'm so proud of you for that. We celebrate getting out of bed because sometimes it's the little things in life that we need to celebrate. And uh, it's uh, it's a muggy one out there today. So I know you wanted to stay in bed in that air conditioning because we all have air conditioning in Maine. And uh, we're just so comfortable when we stay in bed. So thank you so much for being here. We don't take it lightly that you're here this morning. So thank you for, uh, for joining us. Uh, before I get into my message today, um, I just have two quick announcements that I want to make. Um, and the first one is every month, uh, spe- like especially at the beginning of the month, we start, uh, uh, it's a class really, but we don't like to associate church and school, so uh, we don't really call it a class or a course, but it's just um, it's just a, a way for you to get to know us, and it's called My Refuge, and it meets uh, up where our kids meet, up upstairs in the cafeteria area of the school halls at the Eagles Nest. Uh, if you want to join us today at 1145, we've got snacks to hold you over till lunch, and um, it's just all about the Refuge Church. So if you've been coming for a few weeks or a few months or coming for a little while and you just uh, you just realize it's time to make the refuge your home, then my refuge is exactly for you. It, it lasts three weeks, um, so we'll start today uh, with what we call my home and explaining about why the church uh, exists and how we exist and what we're made up of and our government and all that stuff. And then uh, next week we talk about my place uh, where we will give you a We'll send you a digital quiz, one that you can uh, fill out on your on your phone, on your computer. It takes five minutes, um, and that's called um, My Place, uh, but the quiz is called Core Motivations. And the reason we do that is so that you can see how you're wired in order to serve the church in your, like, sweet spot. So we believe that uh, when we live in our sweet spot, there's nothing better than that, right? Like, that's where you're energized, that's where you have fun, and, and that's where you make a difference. And so we want everyone to serve in their sweet spot. We don't want you just to serve where the church needs you. Because let's face it, we've all been to churches where we need someone to wipe a baby's butt. And so we just say, hey, Adam, come in here and wipe a baby's butt. When everyone knows that I'm the last person that should be wiping baby's butt. And so... Um, and I just want, I just like to say wiping baby's butt um, as you can tell. But um, we, so we want you to, to serve in your sweet spot. That's called my place. And then the last one is called my foundation. When we learn how faith works and we learn um, just, just all about faith. And so that my home starts today at 1145 um, and we're done by 1245. So uh, we promise to have you out in an hour. It's just, it's, it's just an extra hour, and um, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. So um, that's my refuge uh, that starts today. And then the other announcement that I have is um, next week we begin one of my absolute favorite series that we ever do. We're calling it Summer at the Movies. And um, we've done at the movies once before. We did Christmas at the movies. This time around we're doing Summer at the Movies. And uh, the, the trick is, yeah, so the trick is 
is that with our At The Movies series, unfortunately, because we're using copyrighted material, we cannot post those audios online. And so I know that that's so heartbreaking because so many of you, um, if you can't be here, you go to the, to the website and you listen to the messages. By the way, all of our messages are available at refugemain.church slash messages or on the iTunes podcast. So you can follow along all of our messages except for our At The Movies messages. And so um, just because we're using copyrighted material, and let me tell you, it's, it's a lot of fun. And so um, we, we just invite you to come back. So now you just have to make it. That's it. I mean, one extra hour on the lake, I mean, one less hour on the lake, Today we're in week four of our Twisted series, which, by the way, if I can just start out by saying, I'm, I'm ready to see this one go. But every once in a while we'll go through a series and I'm like, um, you know, this is, this, is, this is a good series. Like, it was great. It was, it was fun. I had, an enjoy, I, I had an enjoyable time teaching it. But, um, but this is one of those series that I haven't really had much of an enjoyable time teaching because um, there are some things that I teach you that I believe Satan says, all right, Adam, if that's how you really want to play, then I'm going to put a little pressure on you, and I'm going to make it really hard for you to teach this, because I believe that evidently this series that we're, ta- that we're doing is called Twisted, if you haven't been here, uh, where we're looking at some of the most misused, misquoted scriptures in all the Bible. And so what... I'm learning is that there are some verses that Satan just says, no, I don't want people to understand what this is. So, like, I would much rather than believe this and believe what they are instead of believing truth. And so when I bring and I produce and I uh, do my best to present truth to you, Satan says, all right, Adam, if that's how you want to play, I'm going to get dirty. And he attacks my family, he attacks my finances, and, and it just, and I just, and this has been one of those messages that I just, I've felt this in my home life, in my personal life, and, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm ready to say, see you later. That doesn't mean that, it, like, like, here's the thing. Jesus has already given us victory. And so, Satan can't do a thing to me. So, to that, I say, bring it on, Satan, because I already have victory. And his name is Jesus. And so, I'm always going to preach truth. I'm always going to present truth. In which I just invited Satan into my life to make things a little bit more difficult. But here's what I know. It's all worth it. Because truth is worth it. Because living for Jesus is worth it. Because trusting Jesus is worth it. And here's why. Here's why I can stand here and say, bring it on, Satan, because my trust isn't in me. My trust isn't in you. My trust is in Jesus to get me through whatever he brings my way. So, bring it on, Satan. Let's see what you got. Because my trust is in Jesus. So, if you're here and you don't have a Bible... Um, I said last week, and I'll say it again, 
Uh, everyone has um, everyone has one of these Bibles. Like we have downloaded Bibles that we put on our phone. Everyone has one of these, but this is my Bible. This this belongs to me. And so uh, we want everyone to have the opportunity to leave with their very own Bible. And so if you don't have a Bible, all it costs you is raising your hand and maybe a little bit of shame just to raise your hand and say, I don't have a Bible. I want a Bible, and we will give you a Bible. So my friend Sam is walking around. If you don't have a Bible, just take it. And if, again, if you took one home last week, take another one this week. That's how, that's how much we care. We really, really, really want you to have your own Bible. And maybe you have your own Bible at home, and uh, you just forgot it, which is fine. Um, take one for today, and then give it back to us on the way out. That's Before I dive in, uh, by the way, this is this is an interactive experience. I know the, the energy is a little low today, but we want to bring the energy up. We want to have a good time. I want you to, to feel like you can laugh, feel like you can cry, feel like you can clap, feel like you can boo, even though our security might see you on the way out the door if you do. But we definitely want you to have a good time today. So um, this is this is an interactive experience, and hopefully I don't say anything that causes you to boo, but probably boo-hoo, uh, get it, anyway, that was a bad, bad joke, so we're going to, we're going to, we're going to review uh, the first three weeks of our Twisted series to begin, in week one we talked about how uh, we often misunderstand the book of John chapter 14, verse 13 and 14, where Jesus said, ask anything in my name and it'll be given to you. Oftentimes, paint God into a corner saying, all right, God, I'm asking in your name. You have to do what I've asked you to do. And we talked about how we misunderstand that. And if you want to um, to hear about John 14, 13 through 14, again, the message is available online. I'm not going to preach that again. Um, the second week, we talked about do not judge. Um, how oftentimes we believe that only God can judge us. And uh, we talked about how... Um, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, when Jesus talked about that, the Sermon on the Mount, um, we talked about how really he's not telling us not to use discernment. Like, we can use discernment in our lives, but, um, but at the end of the day, grace is when someone has the power to judge but chooses not to, and how we need to share grace with people. Again, that message is online. Last week, we talked about a classic verse, Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, and nothing against Nana and her pillow that she wrote on my pillow uh, as, she, as she knitted on the pillow that she gave so many of us, right? Nothing against Nana, but when Jeremiah 29, 11 talks about the plans to prosper, he's not talking directly to us, but he's talking to the children of Israel for a very specific time and a very specific promise that he would get them out of Babylon. And so we talked about that last week, and we talked about how um, God saves us from our sins, and he doesn't save us from our trials. That sometimes God uses trials to make us more like him. And so it does, that verse doesn't promise us that everything's gonna be, gonna be good. It's not that everything's gonna be smooth sailing. 
And so again, you can look at that up as well. So today, today I want to talk to you on the subject of the root of all evil. Some of you may already know in your mind what the root of all evil is. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it is alive and that the way that we make it come to life in our lives is by belief and believing that your word is true, by believing the words that we're living out. God, I pray that today we would be a people that believe in your word as we live your word and as the word comes to life in us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. How many of you, this is where we get a little interactive, how many of you would be honest enough with me to say, if I had more money, my whole life would be way easier and way better. Anybody, anybody honest enough to say, if I had more money, my life would be easier. My hand is raised because, let's be honest, we all feel like if we had more money, life would be easy. Life would be easier. Today, we're talking about one of the most misquoted Bible verses found in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. And 1 Timothy 6.10 is the Apostle Paul writing to his friend Timothy. We're going to talk about their relationship in just a moment. But 1 Timothy 6.10 says this, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith, and pierce themselves with many sorrows. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money is the root of all evil, which I think a lot of times, that's how it often gets misquoted. Most, most of you, when I said we're talking about the root of all evil today, you went, oh no, he's talking about money. We're not talking about money today, we're talking about the love of money. It's easy to see how this one gets misquoted because we just simply leave out one, one little word. But let me guess, most of you are probably thinking that um, the guy that is rich and greedy is the guy that, that loves money. The guy that has all the money in the world, is he's the one that loves money. Pastor Adam, I can't love money because I don't have enough money to love, right? Like, come on somebody, that's, that's me, right? Like, question that we all must ask ourselves is, do I love money? Do I love money? That's, that's, that's the question that we're asking. And before I get too far into this message, here's what I want to say. I want to tell you this from my heart. Because I want to, I want to talk about why we talk about money real quick. And here's the thing. As the pastor of the Refuge Church, I believe treasure is, there your heart is also, Matthew 6, 21. I never have a conversation, a one-on-one -on -one conversation with anyone without telling them this. 
if I cannot care for your heart as a minister, as a pastor, if I can't care for what's going on inside of your heart, then I need to find another job. I need to find another ministry. Because when we pastor people, we care for their heart. That's what we do. Pastor means shepherd. Caring for people. Shepherds were people that cared for sheep. The Bible calls people sheep. So if I'm going to be the best pastor that I can be, then I have to care for your heart. And the Bible, luckily enough, the Bible tells me how I can do that. Because the Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So if I care for people's treasure, then I'm caring for their heart. And if treasure is money, which a lot of us, money is our treasure. One of our treasures, our family is our treasure. Our time is our treasure. And so if I can care for those things, if I can care for your treasure, then I'm doing my best to care for your heart and that's what I've been doing what God's called me to do and it's that reason that we talk about money it's not because we need your money we don't need your money I, I'm not talking about money for you to give us money you can keep your hand in your pocket you can hold on to your wallet I'm talking about money for your heart and the fact of the matter is, if you look, you don't have to look very far in our country to know that money is a big deal. So back to the question, do I love money? I love how sometimes the Bible just, like we ask a question and then the Bible just gives us the answer. King Solomon was the wisest man to ever live. Um, and that's, that's what the, the Bible tells us. He wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 10, it says this. It says, those who love money, so now we're going to find out, do we love money or not? So, those who love money and, uh, will never have enough. Those who have, love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. So, those of you that raised your hand, my hand was raised. Those of you that raised your hand and said, if I only had more money, we never have enough money. We, you all fell into my trap this morning. That's the day I fell into my own trap because my hand was raised. Because there are moments in my life where I believe if I had more money, if I only had more money, if I only had more money, things would be easier. But, Paul, or but, but Paul, uh, Solomon tells us those that love money never. It's easy to never have enough money. In other words, it's easy to love money. It's easy to love it. But for now, I want to talk about the three things that we talked about in our series. We went back to my Bible college days, to my Dr. Joe Gleason class called Hermeneutics. We talked about three things. Number one, in understanding scripture. First, we have to understand the context of scripture. Context being the, the things that surround it. The things that surround scripture. Then we have to understand 
So we have to look at the verse and we have to compare scripture with scripture. We have to um, to look at what the Bible says about that topic in different places more than once. And then we have to apply it. And again, believe uh, or, uh, believing the words on the page is what makes the Bible come to life. And so we, when we apply the, the Bible to our lives, we put our trust in the Bible. We believe in the Bible. Context, scripture with scripture, and application. So we're going to look at the context of 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. It says that, and, and this is really kind of cool to me because... Um, the man that wrote this, the Apostle Paul, played by Tim Caviezel in the new movie, or newish movie, called The Apostle Christ, which I haven't seen. And I see that I love the recommendation. But um, Tim Caviezel recently played the Apostle Paul. And he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. That's the Apostle Paul, not Tim Caviezel. wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And out of the books that he wrote, there were two letters that he wrote to these young men that were, um, their, their names were Timothy and Titus. Timothy and Titus were Paul's spiritual sons, so to speak. And so Paul is writing to Timothy in, in this verse as a spiritual son, talking about money. Now this is, this is very near and dear to my heart because I believe that every minister needs to have a spiritual father. I think I think that everyone needs to have a spiritual father, especially ministers. And so I have a spiritual father that's not my father. Uh, growing up, my dad was always my dad, my father, and my spiritual father because he was my pastor. And then when I got older, I realized that when it comes to someone that's your spiritual father, you actually have the right to choose them. And um, not that my dad isn't a good spiritual father. He's a, he's a pastor still to this day. He's a great spiritual father, and I love everything that he's ever taught me. I, I, he's my hero. But when it came time for us to start a church, I knew I had to go to another level. And so I went to another level by um, asking a pastor by the name of Derek Fry to be my spiritual father. By the way, Pastor Derek will be here speaking on August 5th, so mark your calendars. Um, that's going to be a very special day for us, for me especially. But um, just two weeks ago, I had a conversation, a spiritual conversation with my spiritual father, Derek Fry, about money. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy, talking about money, because any spiritual father that cares for their child's heart We'll talk about money because, again, the concept of where your treasure is, your heart is also. So Paul is writing to Timothy about money because of that. And it means a lot to me because I've had this conversation with my pastor, my spiritual father. And in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6, it says this, Yet true godliness with contentment, true godliness with contentment, is great wealth. And another translation puts it like this. It's great gain. Verse 7 says, After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world. And we can't take anything with us when we leave this world. Do you 
that's why I said your dad made that up or your mom made that up. But you can't, you can't, you can't take it with you. That's what the Bible is saying. It, it, it's like the the story of the old man that got cancer, and he started after he found out he had cancer, he started carrying around a briefcase full of full filled with money. And one day he takes his briefcase and he puts it upstairs in his attic, and his wife says, "What are you doing? What are you doing with that briefcase full of money?" And he says, "Well, I put it in the attic so I can grab it on my way up." And so the man goes and he and, and, and he he dies, and um, not long after the mourning process is over, the the, the wife goes upstairs to the attic to see if the money was still there, and the briefcase was still there. And she looks at it and she says, I told him you should have fucked in the basement to grab it on the way down. We brought nothing into this world. We can't take it with us. Paul told this to Timothy. You can't take it with you, Timothy. So verse 8 says, so we have enough food. So if we have enough food and clothing... Let us be content. If we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Not if we have enough food, clothing, and an iPhone X. Then you'll be content. Or if you have food and clothing and a nice, fresh pair of J's, which I happen to have on today, then you'll be content. Or if you have food and clothing and a nice rolly, then you'll be okay. Which, if you guys don't know what rollies are, having them tested to see if it makes you feel good, roll up and then you go. So, um, that's what I've been told at least. Uh, it's not food and clothing and all of this other stuff. It's food and clothing, then you'll be content. So, verse 9. to ruin and destruction. Verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, and some people bringing money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Paul is trying to teach us that those that are rich have do not have the most, do not necessarily have the most. Those who are rich are those who need the least is what Paul is saying. Those that are rich are those that need the least. And if I could give you a main point for today, write this down. Can you write this down? Discontentment makes rich people poor. Discontentment makes rich people poor. Contentment makes poor people rich. Discontentment makes rich people poor, but contentment makes poor people rich. We're not talking about money today. We're talking about contentment. We're talking about happiness. When you can be happy with nothing, that's when you have the most. Verse 10 says, some people craving money. I'm sorry, this is verse 9. It says that some people craving money have wandered from true faith and pierce themselves with many sorrows. We all know people that money have ruined their lives. 
Maybe some of you have some friendships that are no longer, you're no longer friends with those people because of money. Maybe your family has been torn apart because of money. This isn't news. This is, this goes all the way back to the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. He told us that money doesn't bring us happiness. The lottery is founded on this concept that money brings happiness. Vegas is founded. Sin City is founded on money bringing us happiness. But the danger with, 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 with money is that it can cause us to lose faith. I want to tell you a story because, because part of the danger with, with loving money is, and, and with being rich is that oftentimes it can lead us to entitlement. We think because we have this, then um, we're wealthy. And let's face it. In America, we are so rich. Did you know that if you own a car, if you own a car, you're in the top 9% of the wealthiest people on earth. If you own a car. And most people in America, most families in America own two or three. All it takes to be in the top 9% of the world all it takes is owning a car. And in America, we get in our car, we go to dinner after we pass 11 different places to get to our favorite one. We sit there, we look at a long list of items on the menu to figure out which one we, want, we like the most. And we pay for someone to make it for us. In fact, we pay for someone to go and tell the person that's going to make the food for us what we want. We pay them to do that. We pay them to pick up the plates on our table when we're done. We take our car home. We park it in its own house. It's called a garage if it's clean. Let's face it. All of our garages are clean from November until May. So we can park our car and not have any trouble about our car in this house called the garage where it, uh, it's, uh, where it's, it's the car's house. Then we go into our house that is climate controlled with an air conditioner or a heater or wood stove so that we can be comfortable. And we hang out for a little while and then we walk into this little room where we sit on this white toilet where we get rid of our dinner. <laughs> And then we make it disappear by flushing it. When I was in Africa, we didn't have that luxury. I, went, I, went, I did a mission trip in Africa um, when I it's been about uh, 17, 18 years ago now. And um, I'll never forget walking into the outhouse when I was staying in a house, walking into the outhouse, sitting on two bricks to go to the bathroom. I was like, I am not using the bathroom in Africa. Like, 
we are rich in America. When I was uh, when I was in Ukraine, I remember I was mentioning this a little bit. And uh, by the way, those are like the only two cool places I've been to after Brazil and Africa. Africa has been really cool. And um, while we were there, we took twenty eight people with us. Sao Paulo was this part of our trip that was, uh, it was our tour part, right? We went to see the Christ statue, and we went to this restaurant, this nice fancy restaurant in Mexico City, and I told our kids, I said, all right, kids, your um, your meals are paid for with the money that you gave for the trip, but, and, and your first drink is paid for, but if you want any drinks after that, you need to use your spending money to, to, to get them because they're really cool. says, we're Americans, we should get what we want. <laughs> and God has a funny sense of humor. And um, the next day we flew out of, of Sao Paulo into Rio. And, um, and then we got into Rio and we took our international flight to America. And that's how we were getting home. Well, I had collected like a good youth minister, I collected all the passports um, for the entire trip, except for the exception of this like eight-hour window where we were flying from uh, Rio to Sao Paulo, and then we got on a bus, and we drove from the bus uh, at one airport to the international airport so we could come home. Well, this young man, like all the other kids, were carrying their passports, and we get to the ticket line to get our passports to come home, or to get our tickets to come home. And lo and behold, this young man, the same one that said we're Americans, we should get what we want, had lost his passport. He found out very quickly that Americans do not get what they want because he got an extended stay in Brazil. He was the only one that got an extended stay in Brazil because he lost his passport. So this happened to be on a Friday. So he had to stay in Brazil until Monday when the U.S. consulate opened so he could get a new passport. His parents were mad. My pastor was mad because he cost the church, he cost us more money because we had to get. So now the missionary had to stay longer because he was the only one that that knew Portuguese, and so the missionary stayed after. One of our one of our adults stayed after, which just so happened to be this young man's girlfriend's dad. That's pretty funny. And then, and then this young man stayed back. So, so we had to buy three more tickets for another day, all because he thought Americans got what they wanted. Ladies and gentlemen, we live in a very blessed nation. We're going to celebrate our independence on Wednesday. And we live in a very blessed nation, but we are rich. And we as Americans need to realize how rich we are. And we need to realize that being rich gets us nothing in God's economy. Being rich doesn't make us happy because the Bible says, teaches us that those that are poor, those that are rich are those that need the least. 
another reason why this is dangerous is because if we're not careful, we start to believe that only people that are wealthy are righteous. That's not, that couldn't be further from the truth. Now jump down to verse 17. Verse 17 says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their own money, which is uh, so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. The Bible tells us that money is unreliable, yet human beings, we tend to emphasize money in our lives. And here's why. Here's why money, the trap of falling into money is so easy to fall into. And that's because this, because money promises us what only God can provide. Money promises us only what God can provide. For example, money promises us happiness. True happiness only comes from Jesus. Money promises us security. True security only comes in Jesus. Money promises us significance. If we have money, we will be significant. Ladies and gentlemen, the only significance you need is found in Jesus. Think about it. If I had money, my life would be so much easier. But you know what? Money can't heal my friend with cancer. Money can't do that. And you know, it's funny to me that we still treat money like it has a cure for cancer. How many billions of dollars have been given to cancer research? Because we treat money like it's the answer. Money is not the answer for cancer. Jesus is. And I know that because Jesus already healed us of the most dangerous disease known to mankind. It's called sin. And if Jesus can give us a cure for sin, he can give us a cure for anything. Money's not the answer. Money cannot solve the opioid epidemic. But Jesus can. Money can't keep your friends off of opioids. Only Jesus can. Money won't even solve your marriage problems. Did you know that the number one cause of divorce is finances? The number one reason marriages end in divorce is because of finances. But money still can't solve the divorce problem. Jesus can. Jesus solves our deepest needs. When you don't have a lot of Jesus, more money looks really good. But when you have more Jesus, you can be content with what you have. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18 and 19 says, Tell them to use their money to do good. So Paul's writing to Timothy and he's telling, telling them, 
telling him that, that money is the root of, the, the love of money is the root of all evil. And all these bad things about money. But then he says this in verse 18. Tell them to use their money for good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasures as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. See, money can lead you to experience the true life. But the thing that you have to live live with in order to experience true life with money is you have to live with an open hand. You have to be willing to share it. You have to be willing to be generous. Because when we use our money to do good, that's what leads us to life. Having a lot of money is not evil. Having a lot of money is not evil. Loving money is evil. If God has blessed you financially, I believe that you should be more generous than people that God hasn't blessed financially. But let's be honest. Even those that he hasn't blessed financially, when they live generously, our mind just goes crazy. How can they give so much? They don't have very much. It's because their contentment is in Jesus, not in the money. The wealthiest people that I know in life are the ones that give the most. They're always the most generous. And it's easy. It's easy for me because I'm not rich. It's easy for me to point to them and say, wow, they're really generous. They have a lot of money. But ladies and gentlemen, that's the way God's economy works. When we live generously, we are rich. We do not teach tithing at the, at the refuge and being generous at the refuge so that you can be rich. That's what we call a prosperity gospel, and that's not what we believe in. We teach tithing because it's obedient. We teach being generous because it's obedient. Second Chronicle or Second Corinthians chapter nine verse six. This is the last scripture for today. It says, "Remember this: a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop." But the one who plants generously will get generous. Reap sparingly, receive sparingly. Reap generously and receive generously. That is a biblical concept. I'm not talking about money today because we need your money. I'm talking about money today because I care about your heart. I care about you doing what God wants you to do in every area of your life in order to follow him so that you can find contentment. See, God knows the concept of reaping and sowing. Sowing and reaping. See, the Bible says in John 3.16 that God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but 
have in your life. God gave you everything that he had for this reason. So that he could have your heart. Would you do me a favor? Would you, would you just real quickly bow your heads, close your eyes, just so that we can, we can respond to this message in a private manner. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond here. That's way number one. We, we like to do things in threes. So you've got three ways to respond to this message. Number one, you can respond here. by, And I'm going to have you raise your hand in a moment and things like that. No one's looking around, so don't worry. It's not going to be publicized. Then the second way that you can respond to this message is we've got my friend Dave up here at the stairs and he's here so that he can pray with you and we've got my friend Brenda up here on the other side so they can pray with you any way that they if you have a prayer need today they want to pray with you because you don't carry whatever you're carrying alone and then the third thing is something that we just recently introduced and that's called our next step station if you have questions about serving on our dream team, if you have questions about my refuge, or if you have questions about following Jesus, that next step station is for you to find way out. But let's respond to this message because the fact of the matter is, is that God has given us so much and he's given us so much for one reason, to capture your heart. If I follow what I've already talked about today, and I go back to where the scripture that says, where your treasure is, your heart is also. If I follow that thought, and I know that where my treasure is, my heart is. And I know that God gave everything that he, that he gave so that he could have my heart. God gave everything he gave so that he could be your treasure. God wants all of you. He wants all of you so much that he gave all of him So if you're sitting here today and you're saying, I've never given God anything of mine. And I'm ready. I'm ready to give God all of me. For the simplest quietness of this moment, would you do me a favor? Would you just slip your hand up and say, I want to give God all of me. Anybody else? I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna come to you. I'm not gonna say a word to you. All I'm gonna do is just pray for you, pray with you, and help you follow Jesus. Thank you. Anybody else? I'm ready to give God all of me. You raise your hand. I want you. 
you to say this prayer with me. You can say it out loud if you want to. You can say it. You can whisper it. You can just say it in your heart and in your mind. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved. Repeat this prayer. Say, God. giving me your son Jesus thank you for sending him to die for my sins I ask that Jesus into my life and to save me. And right now, in this moment, I give you all of me. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand to your feet and give God a hand for what he has done today?